Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Can we give a round of applause, everybody joining us today? Hey, I'm super excited to be here. My name is Joe, and uh, just like Pastor Katie, I am one of the associate pastors here, and I have not had a chance to meet you. Just to let you know, I am so excited that you're joining us today. Maybe you're here in the main auditorium, or maybe you are watching next door uh, in our next-gen space where we are having our family service. And our family service is just where families can come with maybe younger kids, uh, and we've created a space, and actually there are a couple rooms over there that are called the young and the restless room, because who knows, sometimes you can get a little restless in church, and it's meant to be like a space, like a break room, and if you want to bring your kids and, and be a part of our services, know that there's a space where, for families, and you're not going to disrupt anything, you're not going to feel awkward, and we just have a space for that. And also, can we welcome our Hope City Church online family right now? So glad that you guys are joining us from your couch your living room, maybe you are watching right now in your bedroom, eating brunch, having a good coffee. I'm jealous, but hey, I'm so glad that you're here. Hey, um, today we're going to continue our series of messages on the book of Jonah. Uh, we learned last week, uh, Pastor Jason called uh, Jonah the stubborn prophet, uh, and maybe some of you guys growing up have heard the story of Jonah. People in the room, maybe you've heard, heard the story of Jonah. That's right. Maybe growing up in, in Sunday school or maybe you watch some like cartoon of Jonah, this fantastic st story of this guy who decides he doesn't want to do what, what God asking him to do. And then he decides to run, run literally go the opposite direction of what God, God is asking him to do. So he runs, and then you know, you know, a snowstorm comes, and he's on a, he's on a boat. He ends up, ends up in a fish, and inside that fish, he's like, God, I'm sorry, give me another chance. And the, the, the fish bits him out, and he, he has an opportunity to do what God asked, asked him to do. I, I remember for me, when I was younger, the first time I heard, I heard the story of Jonah, and that was, was, was attending Catholic school. And the biggest takeaway from Jonah that I, that I remember is that it made me scared to go, go fishing. I didn't, I didn't want to get eaten by a fish. And so, you know, biggest thing, thing about the story of Jonah, I think the, the reason that it's so relatable to us today is that the story of Jonah is the story of you, and it's the story of me. It's the story of what we find ourselves. We all have an option. Every moment that we make a choice, we have an option, just like Jonah, and that is to do things God's way or do things the hard way. And that's to do God's way or to do things the hard way. See, God speaks to Jonah, gives him a message to deliver it, and Jonah decides that this plan, he doesn't trust it. And he decides to go the opposite direction, the exact opposite of what God wants him to do. And so another thing that we need to know as we move forward is this. You can run from God, but you can't outrun him. You can run from God, but you can't outrun him. And we, we have to understand that we can choose the hard way, but eventually we'll have to do things God's way. Eventually, his plans and purposes for our life will play out. When we do things the hard way, it just makes those plans take longer and hurt. And so we got to ask this, am I going to do things God's way or am I going to do things Joe's way? Am I going to do things God's way or am I going to do things David's way? Insert your own name right now as we think. Is this God's way or is this the hard way? 
And see, what we can say is this, when we go the hard way, when we go the exact opposite way where God wants us to go, that is a bad decision. We might not think that in the beginning, but know that it's a bad decision. And so here's a question that we can ask ourselves. At what point do we turn around from a bad decision? At what point do we turn around from a bad choice? See, a bad decision, it's like a cheap mattress. You buy it, you bring it home, you lay down, it feels awesome for a little bit, and then it starts poking you, it gets hot, you start sagging. Next thing you know, you, you don't even know whose side of the bed you're on anymore. And you think, man, this was such a deal. Karen and I, my wife, when we were, young, when we were younger, we were first married, we, we bought like a $200 mattress from Ikea, and we thought this thing was amazing. And later, what we thought we had bought to bring us comfort came to realize it offered nothing but discomfort. Now, Karen and I, we've learned a lot of lessons as we've been married. We, we, we bought a van, a minivan, because she told me we had to have one, and I didn't want it, but she told me we had to have it, so we have it. Around my house, we call this thing the van because it's old and funky and not very clean or functional. But we drive it because we have it and also because we're committed to it. At one time, it was the best choice for our family. And now that the air conditioner doesn't work, none of the doors work, one of the tires goes flat all the time, we used to have double power sliding doors and now we have a manual sliding door that it's a bad choice to keep this thing, but we're over-invested in this thing. We bought 80,000 mile tires when it had 200,000 miles. Like it's gonna last another 80,000. The air conditioning broke three years ago. You know what, the heat broke, but then the heat started working again last summer. Terrible time for the heat to start working again. But it's all we had and we've decided like, this is what we are going to stick with. And honestly, it's probably been time to move on. Now listen, I, I gotta confess, I, I, I wrote this message a, a few days ago and, and revival is broken out of our house. We actually bought a new car, so pumped for that. But, but honestly, we stuck with this thing way past than what we should. And I wanna teach you something. I, I, I love economics, I love the study of, of finance and how it relates to our emotions and, and the human condition. And so there's this thing in economics and, it, and it's called the sunk cost fallacy. And the sunk cost fallacy is believing that you have invested too much to quit. Does anybody relate to that thought of like, I'm invested so much that it's too costly to quit, even when you know it's not working? Let me give you some examples. You paid a lot for those clothes, but they don't fit no more. But you keep them in the closet. You're like, the best thing to do is empty your closet, make room for more. But you're like, no, 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 one day this will be back in fashion and I'm going to keep it. Maybe you go to the movies, and 10 minutes in, you bought the popcorn, you got the $11 soda, you're sitting down, and you're like, this movie is terrible. What do you do? You stay, because you bought the ticket, when the best thing for you to do is to really get up and leave. Go redeem your Saturday afternoon doing something else, but we're like, nope, I'm in. I made a bad choice. I'm staying. I'm staying with it. Romantic relationships are the best example of this. You start dating somebody, but the longer you stay with them, the harder it is to leave them. And so, you know, we get caught in this trap when something no longer serves you. When, it, when you make an attempt to correct your mistake, 
We don't up and leave. We double down, which is probably the worst thing that we could do. We, we hope to get a return on our investment. And usually we don't realize that that was the bad thing to do until the bitter, the bitter end. And so, you know, when, when God, when your life and you're, you're not going God's way and you know you're already going the wrong direction, but you just keep going. I'm already invested. I've decided I'm going the wrong way and I'm just going to keep going the wrong way. So at what point do you turn around from a bad decision? When you realize you've made a bad choice. When you realize it's not working anymore. You have to come to a point in your life when you say what's done is done. It's time to turn around. And so here's what we're going to talk about today. In the story of Jonah, this is what we're going to find out. That running away from God is choosing the hard way over God's way. Running away from God is choosing the hard way over God's way. You see, there's this struggle that we're all going to have. It, it, it's consistent with us. It's going to last our, our whole lifetime. It's never going to get easier to follow God. And we're going to have a tendency to rebel, to wander, to drift. And it's because it's who we are. See, recognizing that there's a rebellious spirit inside of ourselves, that's the first step to understanding how gracious God is. When we realize we're gonna to tend to drift, but God is gracious, that's how we start to understand how we're gonna need a relationship with Jesus. See, we all have authority issues. We all like to rebel. We all like to do what we want. We don't like to listen. You can think about this, it's stubbornness and pridefulness, we all have it to a varying degree. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The beginning of time, God told them, hey, listen, you can have whatever you want. You can run around naked. You can do whatever you want. Just don't eat these apples. What do Adam and Eve do? They listen for a little while. They eat the apple. They're disobedient. They decide that God's plan is not what they want to do, and they go the exact opposite of what he told us. They had a rebellious and authority issue. I think of, like, my kids my daughter specifically, Jaylee and, and Lenny, they share a bedroom. And I'm like, hey, guys, if you would take 10 minutes right now and go clean your room, that would be amazing. You know what they don't do? Get up and go do it. And what they do? They get up. Ugh. You know, kids don't understand the value of the pause button. Who knew when, like, back in the day, like, you had to get up and walk away from TV? You never got it back? I'm like, gosh, you can just hit pause. Go do what I ask you to do. But no, they fight and they argue. And then I just walk in their room like two hours later and say, Jaylee, if you would just quit picking on your sister and help her. And Lennox, if you would just stop thinking about imaginary unicorns and actually pick something up, we would be done by now. But they don't. They rebel against what they know, what I think, and what they don't believe is best for them. And that's, that's cleaning their room. So let me ask you this. Who in the room? Raise a hands online if you're on your couch. You watch a party, raise your hand if you're a rule follower. Right now, just throw it up there, shoot it up. See, you couldn't help it. You're a rule follower. You had to raise your hand. So if you're a rule follower, even the staunch rule followers in the room have a touch of rebellion in them. Like I said, varying degrees, people have rebellion inside of them. But let me ask you this. Sometimes everyone can agree that rules don't apply to them. Speed limits. It's, it's just 10 over. It doesn't even count. It doesn't even count. You think about, like, it's quitting time, 4.30. Listen, it's 4.15, 
I've busted this week. I'm out. You know what? And, but you think the rules don't apply to you. We've all done this. You see it. 15 or less. 17, close enough. Let's go. They ain't going to count. And when you think the rules don't apply to you, you have an authority issue. People walking into this room today, I guarantee you saw the sign and said, hey, please wait to be seated. And you're like, that sign ain't for me. And you walked around it. And we can all talk about masks right now. Hey, listen, we, nobody, anybody, we're listening to what the governor's saying, and we know it's best for not only ourselves, but the people around us. But you're like, I ain't doing it. That's an authority issue. When you don't listen to the people in charge of you, it's because you don't believe them. And it's a rebellion rising up in, inside of you. But listen, you may think that this rebellious spirit in us is, is bad. Well, when we don't do what God wants, it, it can be bad for us. But that same spirit of freedom and free, free will, that's what the Bible calls it. It's free will. And God gives it to us. And God's expectation for our free, free will is to allow us to love him. See, God could have created us to do whatever he wanted us to do, but he gave us the option. You see, God loves us so much that he gave us the chance to love him back and to feel what that relationship feels like of being able to love God. And so right now, maybe you're running from God. Maybe you're in the room and you feel like, I know I'm running. You've already ran. You're you're so far away from God. Or you think, Joe, I, I know I'm going the wrong way, but I'm already this far. So I might as well just keep, keep going. See, our minds and our emotions and our feelings, they, they play this trick on us. That, that when things can't seem to get any worse, we're just going to do what we want. And that's probably the worst thing for us. And the reason that it is, is because we're born with this, what the Bible calls a sinful nature. Our natural response is to do the exact opposite of what God wants us to do. We have to be conscious about our decisions and think about what we're doing. Paul, a follower of Jesus, explains this, this tension that we have in Romans seven nineteen, And it says this, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Has anybody ever woke up on a Saturday morning thinking that? Has anybody ever woke up and said, I knew better. I I didn't. I didn't want to do that. Well, until you come to know yourself and admit that you're always going to run away from God, you can't get anywhere. It's a sticking point. You have to know we have these tendencies. And that, knowing that you're going to rebel... It's the first step to starting a life with Jesus. Stubborn, rebellious people. It happens everywhere. It happens all the time. Honey, get in the car. Okay, where are we going? We're going to dinner. We're going to try someplace new. Nah, we're going to Texas Roadhouse because that's where we eat. We eat Texas Roadhouse. We're not going nowhere new. Maybe you say the boss, we just talked about work a second ago. The boss like, hey, you know what? I know it's getting late. We're working over tonight. We got to finish. I don't want to work over. Even though in the back of your mind, you know you have bills and that extra money would be great, you still don't want to do it because it wasn't your idea. And, you know, you look at it too, like maybe, uh, what's this, pain? Uh. And guys, we make that mistake. Honey, like, had a little chest pain for a couple days. 
You should go to the doctor. No, whoa, 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 we don't hurt that bad. Never mind. When we, when we don't want to do something different than what we expect, when someone suggests something that we don't agree with, we're gone. Opposite direction. Running away always makes, makes things worse. I think about when I was a kid and I would get in arguments with my parents. The first thing I want to do, I'm out. I'm running away. I'm at you, but maybe I know there's several times in my life I know I ran away from home. At six, five, six, seven years old, I would just bail it off the back door, run as fast as I could all the way to behind the garage. And I was gone. They were never going to find me. Never. They were never going to find me. And then it would get dark and noises. And then I was like, okay, mom and dad, I'm sorry. And I would, I would come back inside. And so we can all relate to running. Are you, are you running from NTI? I know I'm kind of running from NTI. I don't know what we're going to do with my kids. Or are you running from the fact that you don't want to be quarantined anymore? You're running from the fact that you're having to listen to authority in your life. You're running past due bills. You're, you're, you're running because of a difficult spouse. See, lying and blaming others, isolation, bitterness. There are so many different strategies that we use to run away from God. And these things are ingrained inside of us. You know, I think to myself, you don't have to teach a toddler to be disobedient. It's in us. It's in us. When we can't find a reason to trust God's plan, we assume there isn't one. We assume, God, you don't know what you're doing anymore. This doesn't sound like something I want to do. And so you become disobedient, going our own way towards what we think makes sense. So here in a moment, I'm going to read just one verse from the book of Jonah. And this is going to talk about when Jonah decided, I'm going the opposite direction. When he made the decision that this is enough, and I'm going to go the opposite way from God. But before we do that, I just want to tell you this. When we run, God offers grace. When we think my way is the best way, God reaches out to call us back towards him. See, when we're running away from God, know this, that he already has a plan in place to bring us back. So in the book of Jonah, it, there's four chapters that sum up the struggle that we experience throughout our whole life of choosing the hard way over God's way, doing the exact opposite of what God wants us to do. You see, Jonah, at this point in his life, he lacked trust in God. God, you can use me to speak to those people. God, you can use me to go talk to this king. But those Ninevites, they're, they're horrible. I, I don't want to do that. And so at this moment in Jonah 1.3, this is where we find him. God, Jonah no longer trusts God, and it's causing an unwillingness to follow him. And so we're going to read it right here. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Have you ever done the exact opposite thing you knew God was asking you to do? You knew that God was asking you to give up that relationship. 
but you were like, nah, just one more chance. It's going to work this time. They're going to be better. I'm going to be better. God, I know you're asking me to leave, but it's just too hard. Maybe God, you, God's telling you to, to, to save some money and to give it, but you were like, no, and you knew that he had asked you to set that aside, but you, you spent it anyway, or you thought that there was an opportunity that God asked you to commit, to serve, to join a growth group, to, to be more involved in the church family, but you never made space to be available. And so when we run the opposite direction, we're trying to get away. And when we, we, when we run away from God, it's the hard way. And see, the hard way, it may work for a while, but then you have to come to realize you won't, you won't outrun God. And see, sometimes we accidentally drift. Listen to me. Sometimes it happens. Sunday mornings, you, you get called into work or you've been home on your couch for 15 weeks because of some weird pandemic thing that nobody thought of. And you get out of the practice or the routine or you, you double down on kids' sports and you're just all in for sports. And next thing you know, you, you, don't, you don't have time for God. And we just begin to where we get to a point where we don't trust God. We don't, we, don't, we don't know what's coming next, and we don't care because we're going the opposite direction. You see, Jonah, he, he knew God, but at this point in his life, he didn't, he didn't trust God anymore. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. You don't, you don't trust God anymore. Maybe you have a, a relationship or you, an understanding of God but what he's asking you to do, you don't trust him to go that next step, to believe that that's possible. And see, what happens is when we have lack of faith or we have a lack of trust, we get to this point where our heart gets hardened. We become stubborn. And I don't know about you, but when I become stubborn, I become unwilling to listen, especially not only to my wife, but people around me are become really stubborn to listen to God. You know what I think? I, you can't tell me nothing. And is that where you find yourself today? Maybe you're, you're unwilling to listen to people around you. You're unwilling to listen to spiritual leaders in your life. You're, you're unwilling to, to take time to, to read your Bible. You're unwilling to take time to, to pray. You know, when we don't listen, when we become stubborn, the last thing we want to do is to take advice from someone else. I don't want your help. I don't want you to tell me what to do. And I definitely don't want you to tell me which direction to go. You know, I think about this when you see uh, maybe a married couple or a, a young couple walking inside of a Lowe's or a Home Depot on a Saturday, walking up and down the aisles. I don't know if y'all seen this before. There'd be two people and they're just walking around, looking, looking. The, the lady's like four foot behind, like, oh my gosh, this is taking forever. And the guy's so intent, like, if you would just give me 15 more minutes, I'm going to find that thing to fix the leaky dishwasher and that other thing to fix the dryer vent that has been hooked up for two weeks. I'll find it. And they walk around, and they walk around, and they walk around. You know what he never does? Never asks for help. Walk past six people with vests on and aprons. And they're like, it's obvious. No one wears an orange apron unless they're ready to help you. They pay them to wear those things. So you would think you would want to ask them for help, but they never, they never do. We often, we often trust ourselves too much that we can figure things out. That we can definitely do it without help. 
the wife, the girlfriend finally is like, listen, I've had enough. Honey, respectfully, will you please just ask for help? You know what the guy does? How dare you? How dare you think I can't figure this out? You think you question my masculinity, my sense of direction, my intelligence? Are you even committed to this relationship anymore? Like he's not, he's all in for, she's all out. When we become stubborn, we don't, we don't want to listen. See, and that's what, that's what Jonah was. He was so stubborn, so bought into the other direction that Jonah thought the other side of the earth sounds like the best place for me. See, when Jonah went down to Joppa, and it still exists today. It's, it's been around for 7,000 years. It's been renamed. It went from Joppa to, to Jaffa. Uh, God told him, hey, listen, get on a boat, and you're going to go to Nineveh. It's going to be like 700 miles, and I want you to go speak to those people. Well, what Jonah did is he jumped on a boat, and he went 3,000 miles the other direction. He's like, you know what? I'm so mad. I'm so stubborn. My rebellion has grown so big that the other side of the world sounds like where I need to be. Have you ever been there before where you thought, man, I want to get away so far that the other side of the earth is where I need to go? And that's what Jonah did. And we see ourselves doing that too. He jumped on a boat the opposite direction of where God was leading him. Maybe you've jumped on some boats the opposite direction of where God's leading you. You jump on the boat of bitterness. You've been hurt, and you're carrying that hurt around. It's like a carnival cruise line in your life. You're just, I'm on it. I'm sailing this boat of bitterness. You can't tell me nothing. And God starts working on your heart. Forgive them. Forgive them for how they hurt you. Let that go. And you're like, I'm not ready. I'm not doing it. You know what? You don't have a forgiveness problem. You have a trust problem. You don't trust God with your bitterness. You don't trust that what God's plan for your life is to live in a place of freedom so you, incl- you, you prison yourself with bitterness. Maybe it's in, a, in the boat, your boat of finances. You, you feel like every week one of our pastors gets up here and just brags on how generous our church is. So thankful for that, the way that we give and we're able to give kids backpacks and, and serve families through this time where they may have had financial struggles. And God, we just hear so many great stories of how generous people are. And you think, man, God's working on you in your prayer time. He's like, you, you can do this, but you don't make a lot of money. You have a lot of bills and you got a lot of debt. And you just think to yourself, man, God, I, I can't do that. Listen, you don't have a generosity problem, you have a trust problem. You trust that your opportunity to provide for yourself is greater than God's opportunity to provide for yourself. You don't believe in God's provision. And so you say, God, I can't trust you. Maybe one day I'll be able to be obedient. So obedience is a trust issue. And because you can't think of a good reason that God wants you to do something, it means he doesn't have one. Listen, there's always going to be a boat available to take you away from where God wants you. When we run away from God, life never gets easier. You see, Jonah made up his mind and he got on the boat. He went out into the harbor. And see, the thing about a harbor is it gives you this false sense of security. See, harbors are protected. 
You know, when we first step off, we first step off into that boat of bitterness or that, that boat of disbelief or that boat of rebellion, things are going smoothly. We think we can handle it. We think we are, we've got this under control. And then what happens when you get past that outside of that harbor? You hit deep water. The waves get bigger. The seas get choppier. The consequences get bigger. The waves get bigger. And we just think, oh my gosh. And here's the thing. You might think that running from God is a good idea. You think that running from God, it, it might work for a while. See, in Jonah 1.5, we read this. Jonah was asleep in the hold of the boat. Jonah was underneath in the, in the hole of the boat where they keep the boxes. You see, the bad news is that Jonah was running from God. But the worst news is that Jonah was asleep while running from God. Jonah was so comfortable in his decision of doing the opposite thing from God, going the opposite direction from God, that it didn't affect him. And he was able to sleep like a baby. In Matthew 8, we hear a story of Jesus asleep on a boat. And what happens is the waves and the storms come in this boat, and Jesus' disciples are right there with him. Master, Jesus, wake up. The storm's going to crash and destroy our boat. Jesus wakes up, and he tells them. I'm paraphrasing, but what he says is like, whoa, do you forget who I am? Do you not have enough belief? Jesus gets up, goes out. He calms the storm. He calms his disciples, and I'm guessing he went back to sleep. Jesus was confident in God's plan and God's ability through all things that he was able to rest well in those where Jonah was so rebellious and so stubborn that he was able to rest and sleep in his rebellion. And so we can become so comfortable that we fall asleep going the opposite direction from God. Culture tells us, don't worry about it. It don't matter. If you don't feel bad, it's not bad. You know it's wrong, but do it anyway. See, the Bible says that we can get so good at running from God that our conscience becomes what's called seared. It just sears away the difference between right and wrong. And that right there lets us know that our conscience is a bad judgment, a bad judge of right and wrong. And so when you find yourself running from God, and there'll be times when you're running from him that you feel bad about the choices you've made. You're thinking, oh God, I can't believe I did that. I, 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 wanted to do, I don't wanna do what's wrong, but I did it anyway. In that moment, you thank God for that feeling. You thank God that you haven't fallen asleep. You thank God that you still have a twinge of the Holy Spirit alive inside of you, convicting you, not condemning you, but convicting you of the awareness of where you are and that you're running the wrong direction. So here's how I'm going to close this message, focusing on running away from God. Now listen, you're like, hey, Joe, we're talking about Jonah. Where's the waves? Didn't he get thrown over the ship? Wasn't there a fish? He stayed three days in there. We're going to talk about all of that in the next coming weeks. So you'll want to come back. You'll want to be a part of our services over the next few weeks where we hear more about the story of Jonah. But right now, in the time I have left, I just want to talk about running away from God. You see, the Bible, uh, our mind plays a trick on us. 
We read, it in, we read it in Jonah 5 where he said he bought a ticket hoping to escape. When we are rebellious, when we're stubborn, when we're running, we invest in things other than God's plan for our life, hoping they work. And you know what happens when you buy something? You want it to work. So you keep pressing, God, I've already made this mistake. God, I've already bought into this plan. I want it to work. And so you keep going and going. You try drugs because of the childhood you had. You want it to work. You don't want to feel that way no more. Maybe you, you have social anxiety, and, but your, your job forces you to be in front of people where you're supposed to interact. And so someone offers you a drink and you just, and then, and then you never meant to become an alcoholic, but it's what worked. And so you bought in and you bought in and you bought in and you never meant to be bitter and angry and snarky, but it's the only way that you can protect yourself. You see, I've heard what I'm describing as sin. I've heard it described this way before. And it's this, sin is an illegitimate way of filling a legitimate need. You see, that's the difference between going the hard way and God's way. God knows what's going on on the inside of you. God knows that you've got needs, you've got desires, you've got hopes, you've got feelings but yet we choose other things. We choose other things to fill those voids. We're looking for an illegitimate way to satisfy the needs that are inside of us that can only be met through Jesus. And see, when when you come to a point in your life, when you're ready to run, when you're ready to go God's way, when the storms have been so big things have been so tough, God, he offers us grace. And today, that's what you have to choose. If you're running, if you feel like you're running away from God, if you're going the opposite direction in your life than what he's called you to, you have to decide, is today the day that I'm going to turn around? When we run from God, God offers us away back to him and the best time to turn around is your very next step let's pray god we thank you for the story of jonah god that you've given us the story of someone that you once used that came into a place of rebellion of stubbornness and god that we can use it as an example for our life God, that when our hearts become jaded, and God, when we decide that we don't trust you anymore and we go the other way, that you don't leave us. And God, I pray right now, if there are people listening to my voice, God, and in this auditorium or online, Lord, that if you're leading them, touching their heart to turn around, that they would decide to take the next step towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.